Hello, hello, uh, hello to everyone. Welcome back to Being Love in Action podcast. And we are working on episode seven on today. Listen, thank you again for tuning in to our Being Love in Action podcast. I am your host, Kenya C. Williams of Kenya C. Williams Ministries. And listen, we invite you again to share with us while we walk through one of the most love-inspired texts of the Bibles, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 8. Listen, we apologize that we were not here on uh, last week. We we thank you all for your prayers and the DMs and all of those things that we received and calls about missing the podcast. So I'm excited to know that this podcast is being a blessing to someone that's listening to it. And so we're back on regular schedule this week. So listen, we encourage you to pull out your journals, take notes, fill your coffee and teacups, sip your water and listen with an open heart and mind while being inspired empowered and even challenged as we share through the gospel of Jesus Christ what it truly means to being love in action. Hello again. Welcome you again. And this week we're on episode seven. And as you know, we're walking through 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 8. And this week, as we are picking back up on this series, the last episode about being love in action through kindness, through through, um, kindness. And so as we're still walking through this text, let me open my Bible. I normally have it opened, but let me go ahead and open it. Amen. And normally we were on verse four where it says love is patient. Um, and then it said love is kind. And let me read the word of God for you today. It says love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. And I am reading from the NIV version, um, translation of the Bible. What I like to do for those of you who may be tuning in for the first time, some of you who are regular listeners to the podcast, we thank you again for tuning in weekly. Um, We always like to kind of give a recap of what what is going on or where we are so that if it's your first time listening, you are aware of what we're talking about. We're walking through the book of uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. We're looking at this chapter 13 verses one through eight. And so I like to give a, just a brief synopsis of who, the who, when, where, and what of this particular text. Okay. So for all of you, I, I can't always assume that everyone who's listening in, if you're a first time listener, that you are even a believer of Christ, or maybe you are, and maybe you're a babe and you're not very familiar of the, all of the books in the Bible, or maybe you haven't had a chance to read this particular chapter. So I always want to give everyone an opportunity to kind of understand where we're going in. I think for me, many times when I've listened to different podcasts or series and I, I lost I was not part of the beginning. Sometimes you can feel a little bit lost if you're not kind of refreshed on what was said in the past. Amen. So I'm just going to give us a brief, uh, quick synopsis. So the first book of Corinthians 
was written by the apostle Paul. It was written, um, it says AD, which is after the death of Christ, AD 55. And it was written, uh, near the end of his three year ministry in Ephesus doing his third missionary journey. Okay. Um, why was it written? The reason it was written, uh, Paul was writing this particular letter to the, the, the church of Corinth. Um, these were new converts, um, of Christianity or followers of Christ. And, um, and he wanted to address the problems that were going on in the church. Um, he not only wanted to address the problems, he wanted to offer solutions, uh, for the issues that they were dealing with in, in the people. And he also wanted to teach those believers at Corinthian church how to live for Christ within a world that not only rejected Jesus, but a world that um, there was all sorts of sin, corruption, and where people lacked the moral compass. And, and, it, and it would fit in today's time. So one of the things I love about the word of God is that if you look at it from in the context of when it, the setting of what it was written, the time it was written, many times it is also applicable in today's times. What I've learned just from living and, and reading history or looking at history is that people are the same, um, same issues, same things. It just, it's just that it's in a different set setting in a different time. Some things are illuminated more in, in maybe this setting or this dispensation than it was then, but there's nothing new under the sun. And the word of God always offers, um, solutions for issues that have plagued humanity from the beginning of time. And we know the greatest thing that have plagued mankind is sin. So, um, that's a brief synopsis of this particular book. And what I also want to remind those who are reading, God has always for the last year really been dealing with me about love. And what does that mean? Uh, being love in action. How do we tangibly become that? Um, dealing with life and dealing with everyday things. And that's where this particular podcast was birthed out of that uh, thing that God gave me. And one of the things um, I love about the, the, this chapter 13 is that in the very beginning of the book uh, of this chapter, it tell you exactly what love is not. And I'm going to read it for you just to kind of refresh those. It says, and I'm starting at, um, I'm in first Corinthians chapter 13. And then I'm going to read verses one through three. And it says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding Kong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. This is probably one of the most profound um, uh, texts to me in the Bible because it, 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 it gives us the opportunity to internalize ourselves, not look at anybody else, but to internalize ourselves and say, it, you know, who am I in the spectrum of love? You know, and he lets us know that you can be spiritually gifted, when he talks about having the gifts of, of tongues and of men and angels, you can have all of these spiritual gifts, but if you have no love, then it's, it, it means nothing. You're not fooling anyone. You've heard the saying, you can fool the people, but you can't fool God. It says, um, 
You know, you can have all of these things. You can have faith to do all these things. You can heal people. You can pray for people. Listen, you can give until you can't give anymore. You can help all of the community events. You can help the homeless. You can feed the hungry. But if you don't have love, you have nothing. He said you can be rich and give all your possessions to the poor. But if that thing is not based on the motivation of love, it means nothing. So let's kind of go in. And and so that is what love is not. The first three verses. And so now we're going to look at, uh, we're looking at what love is. So now we begin the journey of looking at what love is and how do we become love in action. So first four says love is patient. We went over love is patient. It says love is kind. We've done love is kind. Now let's look at what we're going to talk about today. Love, it does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. That is a trifecta of what love is not when it comes under the spectrum of envy. And what I'm going to do today, I'm always like to give a definition. So it says love does not envy. It does not boast. And it's not proud. So we're going to put those three um, superlatives. We're going to put those three adjectives together. And it says, when I look up the definition of envy, It says a feeling of discontent or resentful longing aroused by someone else's possessions, qualities, or luck. Some of the the synonyms are jealousy, covetousness, bitterness, green-eyed monster, discontent. So the key words today that I want to kind of, you'll hear me kind of plug in are jealousy, because we're going to transpose envy to jealousy, and then discontent. And content. I want us to really keep those two words in the forefront because we're talking about jealousy, not being boastful and not being proud. Amen. So Paul, one of the greatest things that Paul says in, in a moment of real life, real life, as he says in Philippians 4 and 12, um, he talks about being content. Paul says, I have learned to be content. That's Philippians 4 and 12. And I, I'm, I'm just looking at Four and twelve a. He says, "I have learned to be content." In other words, uh, Paul was saying he saw life from God's point of view in every situation. The thing about being discontent is that it borderlines putting you on the cuspid of this thing called jealousy. In the definition, it says it is a feeling of discontent. Amen. It is, it is that, that feeling of being discontent. And then you got to say, why am I discontent? Amen. So I want us to, again, to, to remember that, that discontentment feeling and jealousy. And you know me, I like to, I I love illustrations and great illustrations, but I like to um, use the word of God in itself as part of uh, the being love in action podcast to kind of get us to kind of get into the the stories of the Bible, to kind of get an understanding that the stories of the Bible are real life situations that if we look at it, we can actually see our own lives and our own selves in, in these situations that happen. 
almost 2000 years ago, but we can look at it and see how it affects us and begin to help us kind of relate in a way that sometimes I think we don't always look at the word of God in, in its, in its purpose, in the way that we can relate to it. Amen. So, you know, the question is, how do you discern and weed out, you know, uh, discontentment, weed out jealousy, or what some of us like to say, the green eyed monster, right? How do we actively deal with um, envy, jealousy from ourselves and from others? Because usually it's two things that two ways that jealousy uh, is depicted. Either we are the ones that are transferring the jealousy or that behavior, or we are the ones that's receiving that jealous behavior. And I want to look at um, the story of Cain and Abel. Um, I know many times we look at uh, the story of um, Joseph and his brothers, which is another great uh, story about uh, being discontent or that, that green eyed monster, um, how it can creep up, you know? And if, if you look at Genesis in the fourth chapter, um, star, the third through ver third verses, fourth chapter, and then the, uh, Third through eight verses. Let me get that. Um, if we look here, um, and of course, I'm just going to read a part of it um, about the story of Cain and Abel. Um, okay, I got it. And then the, here's the word of God. It says, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abraham, and I'm sorry, and Abel also brought his offering from some of his firstborn. Oh my God, I, I look like my grandkids. Okay, I'm sorry. This particular Bible, my pages are a little scrunched up, so I couldn't read it in its entirety. I'm sorry, I apologize. Okay, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Over it. God, God wanted to accept Cain's offer. See, from the very beginning, if we look at the story of Cain and Abel, that thing of discontentment set in the heart of Cain very early. His brother Abel had done nothing to him. He wasn't, you know, throwing anything in his face. It was an internal thing that Cain was dealing with. And God, the, the, the beauty of the nature of God and what I love about God is that even when we don't do what's right or when we mess up in our heart, right? God told Cain, listen, why are you sad about it? I'm letting you know, being the parent that he's, he is to us, you know, he's saying, listen, no, I, I love Abel's offering because he gave me the very first. He gave me the best. It wasn't that Cain didn't give him an offering, but was it the best? Was it the best offering that he could have given God? 
Or did he just give God, remind you who we're talking about, the deity, the, the great I am, you know, the creator of the universe. How can you just give God anything? But many times, if we look into our own lives, we don't give God our best. We don't give him the best worship. We don't give him the best praise. If we go to church on Sunday, we're so bogged down with everything that we dealt with. By the time we get to church on Sunday, we either tie because either we went out on Saturday night or whatever the case may be. We didn't get enough sleep. So when we come into the house of worship, it's, it's like a downcast feeling. It, it's almost like a discontentment in our own spirits. But when we walk into the house of worship, regardless of what we have been through the day before, the night before, the simple fact that we're going to give honor to the great I am, to the one who breathed life into us, the one who created the universe, we go with a downcast and heavy heart instead of worshiping the great I am. We don't give him the very first fruits of our worship. We don't give him the first fruits of our praise. We don't give it to him. So by the time we get there on Sunday, God is getting the leftovers. Amen. I, I don't know who I'm talking to. I, I promise you. This is just Holy Spirit talking because I did not. This is not in my notes, but I'm just going to go with the flow. We got to give him our first fruits. Whether it's, you know, many times people look at just the tithing. No, it is every part of who we are when it comes to honoring the God who he is. So here was Cain upset about something he had control over where he could have been, you know, Hey, you know what? You right. God, I, I could have just did better, but you know what? I didn't. So, you know what? I, let me go back out. Let me, let me go to my field and let me pick the ripest fruits and I'm going to go and I'm going to honor God. But that was not his heart. So the first thing I want us to really look at is that that internal person, you know, when, 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 when jealousy and discontentment is in the heart, it is that internal part of who we are in our DNA. That's if you really think about it, that's an ugly thing. And we got to be able to be honest enough with ourselves that when we look in the mirror, that we can do away with some of those things that are hidden in our hearts. With Abel, it was so rooted in his heart. Watch this. That he wind up killing his brother. And what I love about God, um, you know, he said to him, he says, listen to this. He said, he said, but if you do, do if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Amen. Sin is always sin is crouching at the door. He's talking about the heart. He's talking about the heart. He was letting him know, listen, if you don't deal with this thing, Cain. It, it will rule you. It, it, it will be the very thing that causes you. Amen. To stumble. Romans 8 and 28 says that um, 
We know that all things work together for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Why am I saying this particular thing? Because in this situation, his act was not something that was working out for his good. Amen. The, the reason why I'm saying is that because even in that moment when God was chastising Abe Cain, he was, he was letting him know this thing can still work out for your good because I love you and I want you to be the better version of you. But you got to understand, you got to deal with that underlining jealousy, that spirit in order so that you will not sin. But we know the story. For those of you who don't know the story, I encourage you to read it in the book of Genesis starting, um, at chapter four, uh, you can, you can read it. You can also read the story of Joseph and his family, uh, starting at Je uh, Genesis chapter 37 and 50, how, how jealousy, that discontentment can creep up that internal, uh, internal, um, person. Amen. Are you a cane? That's the question I'm going to ask you today. Are you a cane? Have you killed your brother or your sister in the spirit because of the discontentment in your heart? Because you refuse to give God the best praise, the best worship, and you see the your brother, whether it's your natural brother or your spiritual brother or sister, and then you kill their spiritual worth. Come on, somebody. He says, you got to get a hold of that thing, because if you don't get a hold of that thing, it will literally cause you to kill. I don't know who I'm talking to, but believe that no matter where we are. We got to deal with that internal person. Galatians 5 and 26 says, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Listen, it, it's always a dangerous place when we go out of our way to secure honors or to win uh, popularity. And, and then we become conceited. You know, those who look to God for approval, listen, um, one of the things about Paul, when he talks about in second Corinthians, when he talks about God giving him the thorn in his flesh, God had given him some things, some visions that he was able to see that was not meant for anyone else. And it says that a, a, a spirit was sent to torment him. And Paul asked that, it be removed from his life because um, it was too much for him to bear. But it, it, it was given to him to keep him humbled. See, we got to watch when we are gifted in the spirit of God. When we can preach, we can teach, we can sing or we can um, worship or we can praise dance or we're gifted with instruments. Many times we got to be mindful that the gifts that God give him, give us, or to glorify him. That means we are to give God the first of every worship, every praise, every teaching, every preaching moment, whatever it is, every praying moment. Because when we don't do that and we want to be noticed, and I'm not saying you should not want to be good at whatever God has gifted you to do, but we got to make sure that it's not about trying to impress others as more as it is about trying to stay focused and to keep God impressed by our humility and by our hearts. Paul said he learned to be content no matter what season. See, when Paul said that he was saying something, 
See, the, the content that Paul was talking about was that he began to look at life not from his 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 tunnel vision or in his own humanity. He looked at it from God's point of view. So when I read Romans 8 and 28, and it says all things work together for the good, Paul understood that being content kept him from a place of discontentment, which would breathe envy and, and discontent, which can cause the jealousy and the green eyed monster to begin to take place. See, when we look to God for approval, we won't need to be envious of others. We can see our sisters and brothers um, doing great things for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can see our brothers and sisters or our families growing in their businesses, um, flourishing in their marriages, their children. You know, they, you might have a, a, a niece, a nephew that's a doctor. Maybe your child wasn't a doctor or, or wasn't called gifted in that area. You can still be happy for your, your niece or nephew or for that other person who obtained something that was not meant for you. Because when you see it from God's view, then you won't look at it, you know, like it's a lacking of. We are, because we are the sons and daughters and we seek God's approval, then we won't have to be, we won't have to prove to be jealous. Amen. You know, God's grace, mercy, and love is the greatest gift that we could have that keeps us lined up. So we looked at the internal person, right? Um, who we are in the inside, you know, James three and 16, um, in the amplified version, I like the way this says, it says for where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there is disorder, unrest, rebellion, and every evil thing and morally degrading practice. So I'm, you know, look at your own life. You know, what, what is motivating you? In your life, is it, is it constant unrest? Is it, are, are you in a rebellious, perpetual state right now? You know, where you know you, we live in a world that everything is okay. And, you know, do you not have any boundaries or standards? Because many times if we don't have those boundaries or, 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 or standards, we can't begin to see the jealousy. You know, it says it does not boast, it's not proud. See, when we start thinking that it's all about us and we, yeah, I got this. And yeah, these are my accomplishments. I never leave with titles. People say, who are I am? Kenya Green, Kenya C. Williams. That's who I am. Now, if you want to say, call me the prophetess, that's fine. Because I'm that as well. If you want to say minister, I'm that as well. If you want to say reverend, I'm that as well. If you want to say pastor, hey, that's fine. You can say that you want to call me intercessor. That's fine. You want to call me a woman of God. That's great. You want to call me sister. That's fine. Because I am so understanding that the mantle on my life, if I don't keep this flesh under subjection, that I won't be able to honor God and be effective the way that he wants me to be. Amen. So then, and, and as we get ready to close, I want to look at one more thing is, you know, we also have to be mindful. I think we looked at the internal person through Cain and Abel. You know, we look at that DNA, ourselves stuff and, and how, and I want to look uh, many times what I see uh, in the story of Sarah and Haggai, you know, um, 
you put your hands into something, you know, we, sometimes we feel like we're being good and we want to, you know, um, help the situation out, you know, Hey, you know, I want to help God. I want to help the situation out. And, you know, uh, uh, Sarah couldn't have a baby and God told them that she was going to, um, Abraham was going to be the father, the son of many nations. And she was barren and, and she looked at the time frame and she said, well, it's getting kind of, I'm getting kind of old now. I don't see anything popping around here. My eggs are probably drying up. Let me go ahead and, and, and give him my handmaiden. You know, again, this is a cultural, different timing, different setting. So this was acceptable. So she offered her handmaiden, which was Haggai, uh, told her husband, now I want you to go and sleep with her and then she can bless you and give you that son. Now, mind you, you know, that won't work in today's time. But then, you know, some people are, most women, I know me when God blessed me with my husband, honey, I ain't sharing him with no one, no other woman on that level at all. Amen. That's not going to even happen. And I wish he would even think about it. Guess what? We're going to stand on the principles of God. If my eggs were, were, um, powdered and God spoke to my husband, which, oh Lord, please don't say that, uh, that we were going to have a child. I would have to trust God, but you better believe knowing that I'm the age that I am now. And he said that you think I would go find some 22 year old to get my future husband. No, ma'am, it won't happen. But Hey, different culture, different timing. Amen. So listen, Sarah gives Hey guy to her husband, they wind up conceiving. She has the son Ishmael who became, you know, a uh, father of a nation as well. And, but what happened was when Haggai um, got pregnant, of course she was being treated nicely. And of course she was getting attention. Abraham was probably checking on her. How you doing? Boo, you good? Okay, good. You know, he might've still was spending some nights in her tent. I don't know. I'm just talking about it from my mindset. What I, what I could think could possibly be going on. She might've saying, you know what? I need my stomach rubbed. And of course that's his son. He probably rubbed her stomach. So now you got Sarah She's big mad now. She's angry. She's like, wait a minute. And women as women, we know. Haggai was pushing a button. She was pushing it. You know, she became boastful. She became prideful. You know what I'm saying? And now, discontent has set in the heart of Sarah. Now, her discontent came from something she brought on herself. Many times, we become discontent. We don't even realize we're operating in a spirit of jealousy. Because again, I told you from the very beginning, look at the word discontent. Keep that in your mind frame. Because that word, there's many different synonyms for jealousy, covetousness, bitterness, green-eyed monster, discontent. And those are the ones that I picked. Because the discontent is the one that many a times we have and we don't recognize it because we're not thinking. When you think of jealousy, many times women, oh, well, I don't care about what she looks like. But jealousy is not so much of those things as much as it is a heart thing. And then it is it is displayed by our actions in certain situations, but we don't see it. And so that's why the word tells us, you know, God told Cain, you got to master that thing. You got to get control of that thing. In other words, he was saying, you got to deal with it when you see it. You got to cut it from the root. Too many times we straddle the fence. We straddle the fence. We have this discontent about something that's going on in our life. 
And maybe some of it is real. Maybe it's, it's unfair. Maybe you, you know, you have had to deal with, um, many trying issues. You know, one day I'll be able to tell my full testimony. Amen. But for right now, you know, and we all have situations that we've been through in life. But what I can say is I'm grateful to God. And, and even in those moments where I felt discontentment was trying to rise, I never forget there was a situation. And this is one that I think a lot of people have to be very careful about. You know that as a person, you're doing all that you're supposed to do. You're trying to live according to the will of God. And, you know, you try to love people in a genuine way, in an authentic way. You know, a good person. But we know that being a good person is not going to save us, not going to get us to heaven. But for those of us who are believers, we, when we're good people um, in an authentic way, in a heartfelt way, that's, that's a great thing. Because to me, that says that we are conscious of, of our actions on a daily basis. We are purpose in our living, in our lifestyle, but we're human, right? And we deal with situations that we don't always initially respond to in the way that I believe God would want us to, amen? And and I remember the situation where, and um, I was I was laid off from work. And, and at the time, my children were in high school. And I kid you not, this, this is just how it happened. We were sitting in service. And this was before I had accepted my calling in, in ministry. So I was still, you know, of course I love the Lord and I had a relationship with the Father. And, you know, I've always been a person that I'm a worshiper. Amen. So when I get into the presence in the house of the Lord, I'm going to worship. I don't care what no one else is doing. And I had been worshiping and it was a high praise and a high worship. And then we were sitting down and, it, you know, pastor had preached and, and then he called, um, he got up and he talked about a family that was going through a hardship. And, and, and he asked for members to give a love offering, you know, for a family that was in need and, and that was going through a hardship. And, um, and I was sitting there, you know, um, my unemployment hadn't kicked in. I was, I think it, it, it had been maybe a month or two. Um, my unemployment didn't kick in for almost three months. Um, so I was living off residuals, which was not all, which was not a lot. And um, I never forget my daughter, my oldest daughter, who's always been very discerning. And she was always that one that was on a fence of, of what she saw in the church. She was always kind of skeptical and she said to me she whispered to my ear in, in the church and she said mama why don't they do that for us you always giving you always you know being who you are why don't they do that for us and I said you know Roger, I said God is our provider I said I trust God that no matter what, he's going to provide for this family. I said, and it's okay, you know, um, I'm, I'm grateful that this family's need is going to be met because their situation may be worse than ours and we just don't know. 
I said, so sometimes we just have to trust God in the process. And she just kind of looked at me, you know, and, and, and I just was being honest with her because that's how I really felt. And when it was time to leave, thank you, Holy Spirit. Um, a church member tapped me on my shoulder and she said, um, sister, I said, yes, we gave each other a hug. She said, God laid you on my heart. And she had her, she took my hand and her fist was balled up. And then she placed money in my hand. I didn't know how much it was, what it was. It was balled it up. And she did it in a way that no one could see it, but she and I. And um, I just gave her a big hug. I don't even really know if I had enough gas in my car or whatever the case may be. And, and, and when I got in the car and I opened it and it was a hundred dollar bill and my daughters looked and their eyes opened wide. And I remember I said to my daughter, I said, see, this is why. Even when I see others being blessed and I know that I'm in a need or my family is in a need, I trust God that he will provide for this family. Listen, being discontent is another form of jealousy. The Bible tells us in, in 1 Corinthians 13, love does not envy, love does not boast, it's not prideful. One of the greatest measures that we miss is discontentment, which can breathe jealousy. Listen, we serve a God who loves us. He loves us so much. He's so mindful of, of us. Through his grace, his mercy, and his kind, kindness, he gave us Jesus Christ. And on the cross, every sin imaginable, every sickness, every disease, every sin imaginable, was born on the cross and it died on the cross. In the flesh, it died. No more, no more. Yes, every sin was born on the cross through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen, Jealousy does not have to be a part of your everyday life. You know, maybe you don't like that word. It's a harsh word. So I'll say discontent. Whatever it is, the green-eyed monster, God created each one of us in his image. And just like he told Cain, just go back and get it right and it'll be made. I will accept it. It will be found acceptable. God wants to love on us. He was... He created us to love on him. He wants that relationship. Jealousy does never have to be a part of who you are. But remember it is and it will that discontentment try to rear its ugly head. But I want to encourage you that Jesus Christ, the Savior, the Lamb of God, Boy, every sickness, every disease, every sinful thing on the cross. 
It is no longer yours to bear. So I thank God for each one of you who listened on today. And my prayer for those of you that have dealt with this issue or dealing with this, this issue or know someone that may be dealing with it, pray for them. The word reminds us that all things work together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. The Bible tells us that God chastised those whom he loved. So on today, we thank God for him being such an awesome father, an awesome parent. And for anyone that is listening in on this podcast on today, if you if you don't know Christ, you know, the word of God tells us in Romans 3 and 23, we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then Romans 10 and 9 says, but if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then John 14 and 16 says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said that himself. Yeah, you may know God, but you won't know the true and living God unless you know Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us there are many gods. There is a plethora of them. Google it. But there are none of them are the true and living God the one who created the universe and everything in it. So I offer Christ to you in the name of Jesus. And I pray right now, oh Father God, that the that this podcast on today bless someone and touch someone's heart. There is only one true and living God. Thank you for tuning in today to the Being Love in Action podcast. We are so grateful and honored that you were hanging out and tuning in with us on today. And we pray that as a result of this podcast that you were blessed. We love each one of you. And remember, God loves you and so do I. Let's be love in action. God bless you.